The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. How much did AL MVP odds change yesterday? Which struggling starters do you want to talk about? And are they Lucas Giolito? That and a whole lot more with my good friend Chris Welsh coming up next here on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Chris Welsh. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at is it the Welsh? Doesn't go by Christopher. I learned this uh, <laughs> y- yesterday. Um, you I did some work. homework. You did some homework, Jeff. You I listened tried. to the most recent episode. I of appreciate course, that. of course. <laughs> I listened to the most recent episode of the show that got us bounced from the uh, the brackets uh, this as past spring here on the podcast brackets. So got to pay oh, attention to that. I, right. f- I completely forgot about that. Yeah, we so you and I always matched up against each other. We joked about that because it's like three years. Uh, yeah. Rotowire and one of the shows I do, whether it's in this league or maybe it's Prospect One, every single time I got a couple. Uh, we're always yeah. matched up against. It. We need to we need to petition to not be in the same bracket. Like at just least one, year. one of them. There's one year where I went Prospect One, Black Book, and in this league, I think in the same year or something like that. It was crazy. I mean, we, you know, just... the craziest one too was I think the very first year. Um, it was Rotowire and Prospect One. And, you know, James uh, Rotowire, James Anderson is always so nice to me. And every every single year he's like, oh, prospect one is underrated. Uh, is not being given the value. We I lost to Rotowire at the last. Second, I remember that. And it was like two votes. It was like literally because it did like the poll ended and then it was uh, counting up in two. It was like t- something like that, like two or three votes in the very last second bounce prospect one. And then I think Clay and James had me on the radio like literally some days later and clay was like hey you know i saw you guys you're doing pretty good on the bracket and i was like well clay kind of stings because you guys literally just beat me by two votes and he he didn't even realize it and it was fun yeah we've had that that constant little battle for whatever reason that's amazing i mean it's just that's 64 podcasts we could find a different place to be it'd be nice you'd think uh, maybe (laughs) <laughs> so it goes. Um, but you guys, you got your, you gave us our comeuppance this year. So you, you did you end up winning that thing? Cause I'll be no, 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 no. We, uh, the one plug I will give that was cool about it is one of my podcasts have made it in the top four for two straight years. Not going to win. Uh, it's, it's a, that's a tough road to go because obviously, right. you know, it, whether it was you guys, you're going up against, uh, rates and barrels, you're going up against all the big dogs, but prospect one made it two years ago, which, was funny and you know this independent prospect podcast 
just making it up. And then this year it was in this league, made it into the top four. But that that's probably about the, the top of where we're going to uh, get to me and Scott. All right, cool. Uh, so you recorded uh, last night in, in this league with Scott Bogman, and uh, this, you started off talking about AL MVP odds because this is right on the heels of Shohei Otani's two-homer, eight-RBI game. Uh, nutty game, and he was scheduled to pitch last night, and this you recorded before he pitched, and you were talking like, hey, we got if you want Otani, you better get in now because it's at plus five. If he has one good outing, that's gonna, it's going to go down. You better, you're going to get better odds right now. Sure enough, 13 Ks last night, eight shutout innings, you know, two back-to-back days to do that too. I mean, that's like the instant MVP generation buzz. And sure enough, you were talking how you've seen him, seen his odds drop to plus three fifty. I saw a plus three three eighty five when I was doing the XM show this morning. And you know, it's yeah, it, it's an obvious. It's obvious. Like I, I think you you guys are on it here. I mean, I get that Aaron Judge is the leader in the clubhouse right now. It's a long season, and you know, Tani keeps doing. He has the capability of doing something that nobody else does. He really, really does. Uh, th- we've also, uh, I'm over on um, uh, Fantasy Pros and uh, Joe Pizzapia and I have been talking about yeah. this. So it's like this really good, like connecting story across multiple podcasts because uh, Bogman has always been pretty advent, uh, my co-host said in this league, that the any bet besides Shohei Otani for MVP is just kind of like fool's gold. Well, mm-hmm. obviously the team has really struggled. He's been okay. He's been fine. Judge has been incredible. Judge currently owns negative odds you know it's like yeah. minus like 125 i think on DraftKings is what i saw but going into yesterday uh, as we had recorded that show and in fantasy pros you were looking at like five like five to one was otani and it was like listen watch out i think it'll be really tough if uh the angels are going to continuously struggle but if they pick it up and otani starts putting up those numbers that's what you got to be careful about and um we speculated maybe it could get to 400 so get that bet in Bam, we're down at 350. And, you know, the work we were doing over on in this league was let's just argumentatively say we follow projections. Uh, let's follow the projections of we use Derek Cardi's the bat X for the rest of the year. You would be looking at, and this is prior to the 13 strikeout game that he just had. I mean, two homers, eight RBIs, right. 13 strikeouts in two days. The projections are telling us currently what he's doing. Shohei Otani as a hitter would be around 35 homers. 20 plus stolen bases, 100 100 on runs and RBI. That's the hitter. The pitcher, you're looking at 11 wins, 186 strikeouts, and this is before the 13, and a low like 3 2 ERA as a pitcher. Those two players, in my mind, it just, I know Judge is the favorite right now, and maybe there's going to be like a little bit of, um, we can't give this guy the award every single year. We can't give him to a bad team. I don't see how I don't even care if uh, Judge hit 60 homers at this point. Uh, Vlad couldn't win it with a triple crown right. on his tails. I don't see how Judge can do it with 50 homers, which is his projection at this point, 25 on the back end, 25 on the front end. I don't see how 50 homers is going to take a guy with almost 200 strikeouts, almost a three ERA with double digit wins and a 30, 20, 100, 100 season off the MVP award, and you're getting still three to one on your money. It's just the bet I would be making right now. It just makes all the sense in the world, regardless of the angels are struggling. And it just happened to play out over a two day period of talking about it over a couple podcasts. Absolutely. And I was walking the dog this morning, listening to that. It's like, oh yeah, they called this one. They nailed it there. Um, and the funny thing was, it was a big day for AL MVP candidates. Judge homered twice, albeit two solo shots. Jordan Alvarez homered twice. He's up to 21 now. Uh, and he missed a lot of time too. So it's just, 
I, I just love those are appointment at bats. You know, you always used to. Yeah. Win. I'm going to watch Trout. I'm going to watch Otani. You got to watch Judge. But you know watch what? Alvarez though? too. It, it's crazy. By the way, in that Otani performance, one of just like the bonkers things too that came out of it was, um, I believe I just had it pulled up and I just missed it. I think he had like 39 swing throughs uh, as far as swings through on his pitches in wow. his last performance, which is just bonkers. I mean, three pitches had double digit swings uh, through it, which, you know, the strikeout numbers are nuts. But how much... Like when you compare the two, how horrific is it to battle this amazing AL race when you're like, oh my gosh, Trout and Judge and all these guys. And you look over in the NL, the NL is just a brutal place to be overall. Like I just don't, I, I think there's, right. there's one odds on favorite right now, but you don't look at one player and go, oh man, this is going to be a walk away. Even though I, Goldschmidt is the guy right now with the odds on favorite, you've got the two guys I think that were probably there within the last couple of weeks on the IL. Some of the best players aren't up on it. It's just, it is polar opposites uh, if people are wanting to play the betting market on MVP awards between right. the AL and NL right now. Yeah. Who is the, who is the NL? uh leader right now is it well the betting leader is uh paul goldschmidt um sure he's around that. like a buck 175 170 almost two to one on your money there's no minus and then the next closest it's still manny machado which he should be coming back he's around four or five to one and then you got like alonzo Harper. Harper. it's just such a yeah. bigger field i gotta tell you i don't think i don't know if i would feel comfortable betting it if i were betting the nl mvp market I probably would go with someone a little bit off book because the right. thing I think it's hard to remember is like we still have more than half of a season in front of us. I feel like if I were making a bet, it's probably not Goldschmidt. It's probably not Machado, maybe Alonzo, but I kind of keep going back to Harper. There's just something about like a second half to Harper. He's like eight to one right now. He's better odds um, or worse odds, I guess you would say, than Mookie bets. But I think it's a total crapshoot. I think uh, the NL is something I feel a lot less comfortable about and wouldn't have the proper guess like we do with AL and Sho Shohei Otani. Kind of curious to see what uh, Freeman's odds are too, especially because he's starting to heat up on the power side of things. He's got to carry the team you know, for a while with bets out, et cetera. You know, we, we just, okay, so we just uh, we just did an episode, that episode you listened to. We had Chris, uh, our buddy Chris Meany on, and we played this game where we were looking at projections and we picked specific stats um, mm -hmm. for rest of season projections. And one of the ones we played was Freddie Freeman on homers. And the rest of season projections were, I believe, at 15 on homers on the back half of the year, somewhere right in there, which would only give Freddie Freeman 20 homers on the year. Because I think he's a six now. I think he hit his six one. Do you first? Do you think he hits that over on second half rest of the season? It's not quite second half. It's rest of the season homers because there's no chance I could see him winning any type of MP, MVP award if you're sub twenty homers. So do you take the over on rest of season homer projections on Freeman? I would if he could face my Reds every day. Sure. Uh, <laughs> he's just yeah. He's homer like three of the last four games. He homered today, homered yesterday, and homered I think Sunday against the. Tribe, okay, so he must be up Cleveland. at eight now. Yeah, than when yeah. we were talking. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, he's never been a massive homer guy. And I think you guys made that point. Like, even in his best year, I think it's like, what, 38? Uh, so you're looking at like, but I think he's probably good for the rest of the way. 15, we're talking for a month. Yeah. You you would get incredible, thir uh, it's 30 to 1 odds right now on an MVP. 
I gotta tell you, you sprinkle a couple bucks on that. Like I'm not a big, I would never be a big like futures uh, award better, but that's one of those where it's like you take your allotment of money and maybe you go put five or 10% on that. I, I, I don't hate it actually, especially Voters if you, love themselves some Freddie Freeman too. Let me tell and, you. And uh, I kind of like in the situation with Freddie Freeman to like, we saw this in Mookie bets, you know, Mookie came over and had like a, an adjustment period issue of, you know, mm -hmm. just being able to hit in LA and hitting in a new environment and everything like that. But we've also seen Mookie have a 15 home run month. I don't think it's out of the question. I actually took the over on for, I really have a hard time believing Freddie Freeman's going to have an under 20 home run season, especially as the year adjusts. We've also got this unincorporated, like what really is the rest of the summer going to be like? Is it the, um, the humidor and the ball effect? Did they really change out the balls? The ball's flying. So yeah, the is. ball is flying. I think the bet for more power to come is in line. And we're kind of seeing that with Freddie Freeman right now. So you at this moment, as we're recording this, you can get 30 to one on Freddie Freeman, which is pretty decent odds, but that it, he is the third highest Dodger third Trey Turner. Mookie bets are higher odds uh, above him, but not bad odds. I think that's going to change pretty rapidly with Mookie out, but uh, yeah, who am I? Who am I? Hey, Cause voters love RBIs. They just love RBIs and he's going to get them. Um, you know, Freeman's going to get them for sure. You know, how wild is it, by the way, that you went from not being able to play DFS in Arizona and you know, God forbid sports betting to like the world is your oyster. Every yeah. sports book is there. You know, I was yeah. there for first pitch Arizona in the fall. And it's like, you could see the billboards everywhere. You know, meanwhile, in California, there's two dueling measures are uh, on the ballot here, uh, but we'll see if we get it. But I feel like this is going to be one of the last states to ever get sports betting. You think so? Yeah. You know, it's, it's really weird how uh, I'm actually really intrigued, like uh, like to Texas, Texas, you can play DFS, but you can't gamble. Mm -hmm. um, there's some states that have, you know, weird requirements. I think also like Texas, I only know this because of uh, Scott lives in Texas. Now you can play uh, DraftKings, but you can't play FanDuel and it's like licensing stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm really intrigued why it's not getting pressed even more because Arizona had an all or nothing thing. We got full gambling. I mean, we're even talking like, we have a lot of casinos out here on Indian reservations that you couldn't do specific things like um, like roulette. You couldn't have roulette or uh, roulette. You could have in like a, a bubble. It was really weird. You couldn't do craps. Mm -hmm. All of that legal. Uh, all the gambling legal. Not, now, not every place. The only thing that's not is uh, NFBC. NFBC, I don't think, got the license. So that's the yeah. only thing I can't do out here. But when you guys came out for first pitch, because I saw you for we, we chatted for a couple minutes right. over at the hotel in Mesa. And um, that was right on the heels of it had literally opened up in like September. And I think you guys were here. God, were you guys here like early October? I think so. It was. It was like the second weekend of, of Arizona Fall League or something like that. Playoffs. It was a going. really, yeah, yeah. it was a really early. You guys are usually here for the champ for the All Star weekend, and it was earlier than normal. So we were like a month into it where all the books, FanDuel, DraftKings, every single one of the books are open, full legal gambling, uh, full DFS. Literally the only thing that uh, we can't do is NFBC. And that's, I, like I said, I think it's just a licensing thing, but that's yeah, changed my perspective. Um, a lot of people also, you know, even listening, if you don't have gambling there, you're probably similar to how I was, where it's like, who cares, man? Like you guys keep talking about gambling and props. I can't do that. But mm -hmm. it really does open up a world when you can get into it. I kind of went into this space where I was like, I dove into all of it. I'm like, um, all the sports, all the different types. And over this period of time, I've really been able to kind of hone in what I like, what I think I'm good at, what I find the most enjoyment on. And also the 
what am I comfortable finding for myself versus what do I need to listen to other people for? So it's been a good training period and it's only getting bigger. As you guys know, you know, you guys coverage um, gambling is only going to continuously get bigger as long as it keeps becoming legal and maybe sure. California jumps in at some point. Right. There's two propositions on the ballot. They're dueling. One is sponsored by FanDuel and DraftKings. The other is sponsored by like the Indian sports books. The Indian, or not, I shouldn't say sports books, the Indian casinos. There, there are no yeah. sports books in California right now, but uh, the Indian casinos are fighting tooth and nail to prevent had, any sort of handheld sort of uh, betting. Let alone, we had the exact same thing. I mean, uh, yeah. we're, we're, you know, <laughs> we're just saying like, yeah, Arizona's might have been even a little bit harder in the footprint that the casinos had out here in stopping sure. everything. And they stopped very, they tried very, very hard. But, you know, eventually the state, um, whatever agreement they came with, it was a pretty easy bill passing. And the casinos obviously were able to uh, get some type of advantage. And I, I would hope that a place like Arizona would actually be a really good primer for states like California. I'm sure to get it, it is. done because they should get yeah, it done. Yeah. They should, they should get it done. There's a lot of ramifications across the board. Some people will never like gambling and that's totally okay. Not all gambling is for me. Uh, future bets are not really necessarily my big, big thing. I actually, I'm a prop guy and props, so much more translate from fantasy. I think fantasy Absolutely. owners will realize how much they love prop betting, but it's good for states. I think it's just good for everybody just to get it done. And I think we have enough examples of different places, especially like Arizona, that should be able to help places like California. And I'm I'm really surprised that you know we're not going into 2023 with a whole lot bigger of a market of uh, open gambling. Sure, and we might we might. California is a big domino to fall. North Carolina voted it down yesterday though i just, know so that's weird too yeah really, yeah really odd i mean there's such a revenue uh increase but you know there's so much political stuff for it but the revenue increase is exponential and also you know arizona specifically it's a crazy thing because we're less than a year i was at, at diamondbacks opening day and literally in the same walkway of downtown phoenix there's two major sports books there's a FanDuel sports book uh full-on bar that's set up on the sun stadium and it's, it's a full-fledged, uh, complete place where you can make... It's like a little mini casino that's yeah. up. And then uh, there was, I think, a um, an MGM or uh, maybe Caesars. I think Caesars is the official. And they have a Caesars set up inside of Chase Field. So, wow. you know, it, it's a big thing that happened with under a year. But think of the revenue increase that happened from the state and, um, you know, yeah. books to apps. It's crazy. And follow the money. Who's getting that money? That's really... The, that's, that's at the heart of that debate for sure. Um, we titled this struggling starters with Chris Welsh. So let's talk about Lucas Giolito. Oh, do we have to? I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, well, I didn't get him this year because he had so much helium, you know, he got pushed up really high late. I know you don't do NFBC, but that was where I really saw it happen a lot. Um, because a couple of big NFBC players were on him. Casey Cha, who's a phenomenal player, was getting him some draft champions leagues. Next thing you know, in the main event, he's going like top 20 overall. Uh, I, and I have a couple, by the way, I do. I mean, I play in, uh, ones that I'm allowed to like, uh, the TGFBI, the Raz slam. And I want to point out, I, as much as I was in on Lucas Giolito as anybody, I don't make, like I said, a ton of futures bets. One of the futures bets I did make was Lucas Giolito as a Cy Young winner. That was one that I put out there because I really believed I actually got to talk with him, be around him a little bit out here in Arizona, right after he got uh, won his arbitration case and got around like 7 million and he was happy as can be. And sure. 
best shape that I've ever seen him absolutely chiseled and jacked. And, you know, this is a, this is a guy that, you know, really had high end strikeout potential on a team that I think has done really well with high end strikeout pitchers and this, and also some of the likelihood of it was, listen, this is a white Sox team. That's going to win games. And Lucas Giolito is going to be at the forefront of winning these games. So even if, you know, he's got middle line numbers across the board in the AL, this might be a 15 to 18 game winner. So I'm, I unfortunately was one of the people that was kind of with everybody on the buying of Lucas Giolito. And I've got a few shares and, uh, it doesn't feel great right now. Yeah. I was happy to get him at his early price, but uh, then there's others. And, you know, just it, it was more circumstance. It wasn't like I was planning my fate flag on him or anything like that. Just missed out. But what's going on? What happened? Uh, he, I mean, I know Steve Sohn yesterday was saying, like, they're sitting on his, his breaking stuff, his off-speed stuff. Um, they're they're spitting on some of the other stuff. Like, you know, he and I, I don't think his command is all that good either. But what, in your observation, is going wrong? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of speculation about injury as well that might be floating around with Giolito, which I, I definitely think is a possibility. Yeah. Um, if you the underlying stuff like kind of tell two things, but they can really be put under one big guise of like they are just sitting and hitting on his off-speed stuff. You know, if if you look at his um his spray chart, one of the inter or his zone chart, one of the interesting things is the the changeup chart just looks a lot more red. He's not getting the ball where he wants it as much. And then it absolutely shows um, when you go down to pitch breakdown last year, changeups ended up on an average about being hit just under 220, 220 batting average against changeups. This year, it's over 280. It's, a, it's, it's, in, it's insane. He doesn't have a single pitch that is being hit less than 280. Curveball, fastball is being uh, hit a batting average over 300. It's yeah. really tough. Slider and changeup, to your point, slider last year, 173 batting average. Changeup was 218. Both are 280 plus right now. Uh, the other one, the fastball's ineffectiveness. The fastball, really surprising. I don't feel like enough or any of us really talked about it, but it's currently showing an over two or just about 200 RPM difference as far as the spin goes. So, mm. You can't have both of those things and be successful. You see guys like, let's take um, Shane Bieber, for instance. Shane Bieber famously at the beginning of the year had the two mile an hour fastball difference with 200 plus spin kind of across the board. And that is bad, but he's been able to find and be effective as far as some of his secondaries go in his command. We, you can't have your secondaries be bad. And then you can't also lose your fastball. You something something's got to give. You got to have right. one of those to be able to back up on. And he doesn't have that. His command is kind of wonky right now. Uh, his off-speed stuff is ineffective, and his fastball is less deceptive. And right, it's and, all the, and apart. less and less rapid too. Uh, it was ninety-two and a half miles an hour yesterday against the Jays too. And you could see it on the three-zero home run by Alejandro Kirk too, which was also middle, middle, middle too. It was. Yeah. It was Average is oh. uh, average uh, 94 in earlier years. Last year, 93.8. It's at 93.1. So it's a, it's a, I, there's a part, there's a part of you that got to look at like maybe there is an injury that's going on. There, there's something, how many times do we deal with these guys where right. they go, they go, they go, then they're out. And then he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I was dealing with a forearm strain for the last two months. And it's like, oh, yeah. that would have been great to know. Um, I do think, I don't know if I'm sold that there is some massive injury that's going to take him out. He's a really smart analytical pitcher. That's actually why I'm also surprised. Like you're seeing like massive spin numbers that are down and he's not maybe altering his pitch mix a whole bunch. 
that I do think this is fixable, but I feel like he's at an all-time low right now. I think his ERA is like over nine over his last five starts. This feels like a prime buy spot to me. I don't yeah. think Lucas Giolito can continue at this. And I think his cost is at like a real, real all-time low as he's getting beat up. And I think I would I would entertain trying to buy. The only thing is I just don't know what what does that cost look like? I don't know. Right. What I was just gonna ask you that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're the expert here. I'm just the I'm just the host guy asking questions. Well, so uh um, it is a good, I mean, it is a good question. How do you entertain that? I mean, is it gotta be maybe a two for two or maybe uh trade my, my problem for your problem sort of thing or see, uh, okay. That's funny that you say that. I don't think it's a, my problem for your problem type of guy. I think he's too, I think my problem for your problem are much lower type of guy. Now I could be yeah. wrong. You know I mean? There are plenty of high end, uh, my problem for your problem type of guys that exist out there. But I, I really think that tends to be like post 100 type of players that are my problem for my problem or your mm -hmm. problem. I think it's, it's definitely, you'd have to, you'd have to trade need out of position. So you're not going to do a pitcher for pitcher. So I think it is maybe, and this might fall under your problem for my problem, a higher end hitter. It could be a guy that is leveling up or it could be a guy that's semi struggling. Like, like, you know what one that jumps to mind and this might not even work and this might be too high of a cost, but I kind of think like a, Randy Rosarena, you know, he's kind of picked back up. Um, he hasn't hit double digits on homers and stolen bases. Randy Rosarena for Lucas Giolito, that might be a little bit more risk on the pitcher that you could mm -hmm. do. Otherwise, it's probably a twofer. You know, you're trading maybe a really hot Nick Pavetta, who's been really, really great. And then you're trading maybe a middle line hitter, something like that. So um, an overperforming hitter maybe birdie you know i mean birdie's tough because he's oh so dominant gosh. stolen bases yeah yeah but pavetta and birdie for a giolito that actually sounds like a trade you would see in a league and i think you could justify it both ways i think that's a good point and in fact you know one thing like i play in a league on yahoo and i think one thing that's really useful there is you can kind of see what trades have been done on a given day for a player so you need to pull that up with giolito and you can you can kind of see like exactly uh you know what trades have been pulled off now the problem is you don't see the it, you rarely see the uh, like the context of it. Like you don't see yeah. salaries or anything like that. It'd also be really nice to be like, I, I wish they could get some context of like, this is not just a free league. You know what I mean? Or this right, is like right, a right, highly right. competitive or something exactly. like that. That would be great to see. But uh, do you have any pulled up? I'd be curious. I do. What, what, what uh, Lucas like. Giolito for my, my problem for your problem. Lucas Giolito for Jose Barrios. Okay. I mean, I would take the Giolito side Absolutely, of that 100%. hands down, but I, yeah, I think those are tough. Okay. Uh, Lucas Giolito for Frankie Montas, who at lat when we started this podcast, he had taken a no hitter through seven. So I was about I to say, I think he has a no hitter. Is he still? Oh, that'd be uh, I don't know. I, yeah, we, we've been focused on the pot. I don't know, but yeah. I know, I don't think he does because I feel like our Twitters would be blowing up with, uh, with craziness, right. but I did see that about an hour ago that he had a no hitter going. So that's a weird one. I think, you know, the thing that holds me on that is I feel like if Montas is on, is an A in August, I would be shocked if he was an athletic um, that, you know, if you were to if just hypothetically, you know, like a really big team, let's say even like Philly, you know, mm -hmm. like Philly goes and wants to make a monster trade and they trade off uh, I don't know, maybe Bryson Stott or, uh, you know, something like that. And they were to get a guy like. Uh, Frankie Montas and put it in there. Team context would make it really interesting on a really good team with offense behind him. But yeah. I think I would probably still lean. I think I believe enough in Giolito and the upside this early in the season that I feel like some of this stuff is fixable. But that's also, I'm being very like, um, I'm risking. I'm risking a whole lot on this because 
he's showing a whole lot of signs that this may not be, you know, like yeah. uh, in decreased spin, decreased velocity on your fastball, your secondary is being hit up across the board. Like those are all really big warning signs. I feel like he's just gone through this enough that this is a smart enough pitcher that we've seen succeed that I don't want to bet against. So I think I would trade Montas for him. But again, I don't think a pitcher for pitcher trade is the type of thing you do right. with Giolito. Well, I'll give you two more. Uh, Joel Hennard uh, just suggested Robbie Ray or Giolito. Who would you rather have rest of the season? Go Giolito. All right. That's close. It uh, is close. I, Robbie's yeah. a little dicey. But those were actually pretty close in draft costs, too. So it's not really like it'd be an insult, too. Uh, you That's know, a good point. That's a good yeah. point. And I'm, I've recently warmed to Robbie Ray because on Friday night, he helped me win a, a DFS thingy. So that was pretty good. So well, the strikeouts, just... too. See, see, and that's okay. So here's the problem with Robbie Ray, too. He's one of those dudes that, like, even when he struggles and if he finds that middle line area, he just gets you with those strikeouts. Yep. And yep. Giolito is really not doing that for you right now. So I think that's a pretty fair one. I think I would just I, I side with Giolito because I, I have probably a little too much belief in him right now yeah same with uh by the way Barrios isn't getting the case he had two whiffs and 30 swings against the uh blue jays through the first three innings earlier this week uh and then jared walsh was traded straight up for him Uh, yeah see that's the type of stuff i love i would do that's pretty sassy yeah i would do (laughs) that is sassy i would do i would do that those are those are the moves i mean pitching how difficult is pitching to buy um you know it's so funny like doing prospects and stuff i can be kind of anti-pitching in general and you know, there's also a sense of pre-draft, uh, maybe not so much in Roto, but like head to head where it's like, hey, I don't want to pay the high cost. And I think some of that has paid off. I'll pay that middle line cost of pitching. But then when you get in season, God, is there anything more difficult than pitching to handle? No one wants to get rid of it. Um, no one ever treats starting pitching as, hey, this is an abundance that I can trade from. No way. People, The abundance people trade from is like homers. It really is difficult. So if you can buy and make a bet on a guy that costs you a Jared Walsh and you can make a bet on a pitcher that could potentially return top 10. I'm probably going to take that uh, opportunity and that chance, but there's enough risk and worry out there with Giolito. Well, and especially in the specific case of Walsh, he's not getting the volume. He's not playing against lefties at all. So, uh, you know, that, that, that's the tricky thing, by the way, I can confirm that uh, it's no longer no hitter. It's in the top of the ninth, still one, nothing. Zach Jackson is on for the save for the A's. I bet you we all had that one going there for us. Yep. Zach, just like we all planned it preseason in our uh, our closer rankings. Oh, that's going to be fun on Mm -hmm. fab this weekend. Zach Jackson. Right. Well, yeah. Well, we're we're the idiots that just went and got Danny Jimenez off way uh, in in fab in one of our main event leagues because someone had cut him the previous week. Like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, he had gotten a save. He's back. Oh, no, sorry. Retroactive shoulder injury. Okay. Wasn't Zach Jackson, didn't he used to be with the Rangers? Uh, I feel like he, uh, former Rangers uh, prospect from like a long, long time, maybe even the Braves. Yeah. If I'm remembering the right person correctly. Like back when Joey Gallo, I remember a Zach Jackson. I feel like back when uh, Joey Gallo was a minor leaguer, but I could be, I could be wrong. Jerry Callow, on the other hand. No, this, this one has not been in the majors before this year. Uh, but, uh, he was with Vegas last year and double eight Buffalo. So he was in the, the blue Jay system in 2019. Okay. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we, uh, so e- even more Jackson. like off brand, but you know, he's had 38 strikeouts and in 27 innings this year and not, but also it was walked 21 guys in the said 27 innings. So did really wouldn't sub- be going out of my way. AJ Did Puck is sub- warming up by the way now. As he should be the now I mean that's the guy that I'd be betting on overall is AJ Puck for safe. Did yeah. you subscribe to the early and often closers, you know, get the elite guys so you're not playing this game or 
are you unfortunately dealing with this game, the game of closers and the high fab uh, in season? I kind of hedged my bets. Uh, first okay. main event, Liam Hendricks. Hey, on the IL right now. Cool. Uh, and then on the other one, we got like, we waited to like the 10th round and got Scott Barlow and we, we fab clay Holmes, So that worked out pretty oh, well. And, fantastic. Yeah. But we're, we're, but we're, but the thing is, we we kept we refused we were at a we kept on taking values like they get like the draft gap gave us all these hitters and starters and so we made this conscious conscious decision this is the main event league again um like come to the like the teens we're like okay instead of pushing up these marginal guys that are mate might close let's just take the starting pitching that we know that we like yeah, that's a good point and we're we're tied for first and wins and K's in that league and you know we got a lot of hitting po- uh, pitching points you know, bully some of the hitting and we'll try to, you know, we'll have this singular focus in fab. It doesn't always work out that way. We still fab other guys too, but you know, uh, it, it's kind of worked. We're a competitive team in that one. Clay Holmes uh, just, is going to be one of those guys that's going to make the not investing like a real thing again. Like when, whenever you have those guys, you know, there, there's mm-hmm. obviously some of the top hater has worked out. Hendricks a little dicey, but still there. The middle line guys, I think, you know, I think it's unfortunate what we had to pay for Emmanuel Classe or Rysel Iglesias, but at the end of the day, it's not like the worst thing in the world. But then they're there's a couple the of those. Yeah. yeah, they're getting the saves, exactly. But then there's a couple of those guys that you're always going to get to go back on, and Clay Holmes is going to be exactly that. You're going to be like, well, he was out of nowhere. He got the gig. I got him for 15% of my fab, and he. I think he legit I really think he could keep that job when a roll this comes back. I think he does. And he could finish off this season as, you know, top five reliever overall. Yeah. And that's going to be to the battle of anybody that's like, Hey, we should take early closers. Cause I, this is the first year I bent on that. And I was mm-hmm. very much team. Get me my, especially my one early closer, but maybe even get a second one and not have to be the person that's justifying Mark Melanson at one ten overall or some nonsense. Well, and that's just the thing is like, give me one closer is usually the approach yeah. I did. And in that draft where we waited and Barlow was our closer one, it was only because we were like one off here on Kenley, one off here on Romano, and we just missed those guys, you know, and that happens. Uh, but it wasn't like I was vehemently fading closers. It just worked out that way. And I didn't, I didn't push guys. I mean, it, starting in the second round and third round, you make those early decisions and it's a 15 team draft uh, snake draft and we're smack dab in the middle. And sometimes you miss out on those runs and okay. You have no. to strategize on the fly. And that's what we ended up doing a little bit there. Um, let's talk one more struggling starter before we move on to other topics. Trevor Rogers, mm. uh, speaking of off speed stuff that isn't working right now, good in his last start in terms of getting swings and misses, at least there were, and it was against the Mets. So great on the curb a little bit, but it's been a hideous year and you know, the opportunity cost of taking Rogers instead of, Alec Manoa or Kevin Gossman or Joe Musgrove. I mean, it's, it's, it's been painful. He is painful to watch. And uh, as I, you and I were talking in, in DMS uh, yesterday and you're like, all right, here's some of the guys, here's some of the guys and you go. And I think we're gonna talk about Trevor Rogers. And I sent you the gift from toy story. I'm yep. trash. Exactly. Whereas like that. I, I'm over Trevor Rogers. Um, yeah, it's a, th- a three pitch pitcher with just kind of ineffectiveness across the board. Hey, no shocker. Every yep. single pitch is pretty much up on uh, as far as batting average getting hit, but it's, it's the fa- fastball is completely ineffective. He, <laughs> 322 batting average against his fastball this year. You don't have that to rely on and kind of similar 
a lot of these guys, especially that are going to, um, it, it's interesting. Maybe there's a correlation with uh, some of the changeup guys that are out there that um, same thing with Giolito, like I talked about Trevor Rogers, he's a 30% plus uh, changeup guy. And the, the heat map on the zone of where he's throwing it had really good control last year. It was on that, like, Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess for him, when I'm looking at it, it would be the outer corner. It was really focused on, on that outer corner, nothing on the inside, nothing. Well, now you go look at it, the entire bottom, the, the changeup is all over the board. There's no command on it. It's just covering all, not even below the zone. It's all inside the zone. So just has no, it doesn't really seem like there's a feel for a changeup right now. Um, that's overtly positive or overtly productive. And the batting average is up around 30 points against it right now with an expected batting average around 245, which is again, 30 plus points against it. And, you know, literally a hundred points, literally 100 points higher batting average from last year to this year on the fastball. I just don't see it. Uh, I'm more and more become disillusioned with these guys that are like two to maybe three primary pitches and there's nothing else to keep people off because I mean, look, I mean, Patrick Corbin's like the prime example. This is not the same guy, but right. You know, Patrick Corbin has nothing anymore. It was slider fastball. There's absolutely nothing else in there that exists. And the loss of a massive changeup for pitchers kind of seems to be maybe the worst thing that can happen right now that guys are, primary changeup guys and we see exact examples and not that Giolito is like a primary changeup guy but both pretty heavily dominant and when you lose that what's the inverse effect your fastball gets hit more especially if you're losing anything off of it and he's less effective with it so I don't know man I um I think I'm out on Trevor Rogers like in a complete general sense if you want to hold on I think you could I think in I think in like lower leagues like 10 man 12 man I think you could do a better job probably streaming, especially in less competitive type of leagues. Now in like NFBC and stuff like that, this is really not necessarily an option unless now here would be one. What about Max Meyer? Max Meyer just came off the IL with the Marlins. Uh, He's a phenomenal three plus pitch guy. He has three plus pitches. And this guy, I think if people haven't already preemptively picked up, uh, I'm not the biggest rookie redraft. I'm a big rookie guy. I do a prospect show, but I'm not the biggest rookies in redraft guy, but I want Max Meyer. This guy has already this season struck out the likes of Ronald Acuna multiple times in a rehab game. And then his first game back off the IL struck out Wander Franco. Into yeah, I saw that. And they were yeah. talking about his changeup and it was just. It, his changeup is fun. phenomenal. Uh, I interviewed Nolan Gorman in this last year's AFL and I, anyone that listens to me already knows this. So they're like, here we go. But Nolan Gorman, I asked him, Hey, who's the most effective uh, or who's the nastiest pitcher you've ever faced in the minors. And he said, without hesitation, Max Meyer, he instantly said Max Meyer. So you've got a guy who's incredibly successful in the majors right now. Say, this is the nastiest dude. You got a guy that has struck out multiple times, Ronald Acuna and Wander Franco. He's got a plus fastball, got a great change up. He's got secondaries. This is a type of guy that I would be aggressive on. And ironically, same team type of stuff. If, if Meyer got the call up, I don't really think you're losing much in dumping Trevor Rogers right now. What, what's the worst that's going to happen? You dump Trevor Rogers. You're a little disappointed. You missed out on maybe a couple productive innings that are also going to come with some absolute blowups. I'd probably rather move on. And if he fixes it all and I'm wrong, you eat it. But I have no shares of Trevor Rogers. I've never really been interested in him. And luckily, I can kind of wash my hands of it overall. Well, there you go. That's nice. Uh, my favorite anecdote from that Max Meyer outing against Franco is after three pitches, Franco, who had been wearing some shades, 
threw them to the side. He couldn't pick up the ball at all. And it's just like, don't swing, don't wear sunglasses at the plate against Max Meyer. I thought that was hilarious. But I like that. I like yeah, that a lot. That was some good stuff there. But yeah, I, I do have uh I do have Trevor Rogers in a 12 in the NFBC in the online championship. Um yeah it's well, what's tough. out there don't you think there's probably something close i mean it, it your leagues will also tell you like how effective can you be with streaming if you're in a league where you can really effectively stream i think it's easy if not if it's really hyper competitive on pickups and stuff like that okay maybe it's tougher maybe it's worth grinding it out but i don't know mm -hmm. jeff i bet you could look at the wire and you could probably justify a couple pitchers that might just be better to stream but those are tougher i think those are aren't those bigger benches too uh seven man benches so okay uh, it's yeah. not it's Nothing you can crazy. stream, although it's getting harder and harder to stream right now. As you said, the ball's starting to fly now. Uh, yeah. You know, you're hoping Bo Brisky doesn't kill you um, and things like that. But uh, oh, I went down the Bo Brisky, uh, Bo Brisky, and uh, tout the other day. I had to do yep. that. I I was trying to get Alex Fado, and I didn't win him, but I did win my Bo Brisky. You won. Uh, there you go. Yes. <laughs> We'll move on from uh, struggling starters, but first, a quick note from our sponsors on the Blue Wire Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And thank you for your indulgence on that. Uh, as always, all the RotoWire podcasts are on the Blue Wire Network. i uh, got a few other topics we want to hit before we talk about what you're doing here. Um, Charlie Morton's turning around. He's got, you know, talk about it. We were talking about guys that were trash earlier. He's pitching pretty well. And in yeah. a series where good pitching was hard to find, the Braves-Giants, Morton looked really good. He didn't get the W, but uh, he, he pitched very well. And he's had a couple of good outings where the velocity's back up. He's starting to get the strikeouts again. 
Yeah. And I mean, you know, biggest uh, hurdle it looked like for him on the whole season is just the the ground ball rate. He, he's got to have that ground ball rate back up. It's the lowest of his career. Last year it was 49.5, 38.5. I mean, you're going to have less results. He's also been throwing the sinker less. Again, there's correlation. You got to love correlation where you can look and be like, right. who is this guy usually? Well, he's about a 50% ground ball guy. What's different right now? Well, the ground ball rate is down. He's not throwing a sinker as much. It's down 3%. Okay, there's some clear fixes. He's got 40 strikeouts over his last four games, which is great. Strikeout numbers are there. I'm still a little bit worried. Um, half of his starts this year have equated to four or more earned runs in those starts. Half of them, he has missed out on the quality start by runs alone. That's something to maybe be concerned about, but you just got to get the ground ball rate going again. Fastball being a little bit more effective. Throw that sinker a bit more. I'm very encouraged by an average of 10 strikeouts over his last four. This is a really nice buy because I think there were enough people that were pissed. They were dumping him. And you yeah. probably were able to pick him up across the board and you're seeing a pretty good fix. So this is a great buyback opportunity. And it's also one of those things why these like longevity veteran type of pitchers that have you know shown a history of it, you want to give benefit of the doubt on the buy. I think that's why a lot of people buy back into uh, Jose Barrios because he's had a history of you know, struggling in the beginning and coming back. It's also why I would sit with Giolito. You know, I think uh, we don't have any, you know, uh, tangible information really to give us like, why is this not working? I feel like Charlie Morton's is a little bit easier, but benefit of the doubt sometimes pays out. And if you were able to pick him off the wire or hold tight, Charlie Morton is paying off a little bit and it's looking better. How aggressive are you on tr in the trade market and redraft leagues? Like, do you go out and target buy lows and you try to find the, the, the owner that's got, you know, Giolito or Barrios or, or Morton and Hey, I, you know, let's, let's, let's talk here. I need some K's. I need to take a chance on a guy. Are you willing to you know, talk here? Do you do things like that? You know, that's funny that you bring that up. I think that one of the biggest struggles I've had over the last couple of years is my aggressiveness in trades. I think I'm mm -hmm. less aggressive than I have before. I will tell you one of the reasons behind it is almost primarily all of my leagues I play with are uh, some capacity of listener that I have, whether yeah. we've had supporters of our podcast for like seven years that have become friends and we do whether personal leagues or we do in this league leagues and they know me. And if right. anything, there's more, there's actually a lot more trading around me and it's very difficult <laughs> to trade with me. So then the industry place would probably be one of the best spots, but I don't really, the only places I play um, redraft, there's no trades. There's no trades in some of those leagues. So I kind of miss out on the opportunity of being like really hardcore about trades. I probably need to be a little bit more aggressive about it. But again, I come on here and I talk about, Hey, I'm still a buyer on Giolito that's probably going to kill 15% of the cost on me. So I think I miss out on the opportunity, but it makes sense. Sure. I would be. And Charlie Morton would have been one of the guys I would have, uh, I would have bought, bought in on. I track record means a whole bunch. I actually just did a little blurb uh, over on fantasy pros where they were doing like buy lows and sell highs. And I know it's so stupid because it's such a big name, but like I wrote up Juan Soto because the guy's hitting two, you know, under 220 right now, yeah. or right at the 220 mark. It's bad. And it's almost July. Yes. He's Juan Soto. Yes, he has some decent counting stats, but as I've marked, Adolis Garcia is beating him in four of the five major categories right now. Just think about that for Juan Soto. It's almost July 1st, and four of the five categories Adolis Garcia is beating him in. So it's not ridiculous to think that Juan Soto is a buy opportunity. He is. The only difference is you're not going to get him at some super, you're not going to get him for Adolis Garcia, but the no. owner will now listen. And those are the type of trades I like to get in on when the owners will start listening if you can find reasonable prices. And Charlie Morton, 
Lucas Giolito. Those are pretty good examples. Yeah. And I guarantee the Soto uh, manager, he's looking at everybody else, seeing seeing who took Jose Ramirez right before him and looking wistfully at like, man, if that could be me. Even you know? Ronald Acuna. You know, I was yeah, yeah. I, I was probably one of the biggest. Uh, Bugman and I do these ranks analysis episodes. I was one of the biggest in the industry preseason uh, right up until the draft on Ronald Acuna, even though we knew he was going to miss time. Cause we also got some of those words that they were like, Hey, he's going to DH April 21st. So I was like, who cares about these three weeks? I'm going to, I'm going to take him fifth overall. I ranked him, I think fifth overall. And it took a tiny bit longer, but Juan Soto was clearly going over him. I I'm not, I can't say it's for sure, but you'd imagine that the Juan Soto owner would kill and eat those four weeks to have Ronald Acuna, who's already over double-digit stolen bases. And he's a relevant piece in the NL MVP conversation. He missed a month. So, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of regrets out there. But how do you take advantage of the regret? The person's going to hold on. Hey, I need the Juan Soto that I drafted versus you know, giving them something that's going to make them feel okay about what they lost. That's that, that is the, the art of trade. I think one, I would love to see Juan tr- uh, Soto trades because I think the true art of fantasy baseball trading comes yeah. in. How do you acquire a player like that? It's easy for us to go need for need or, Hey, I need saves or you're in a dynasty, but how do you make a Juan Soto owner move off of him for something that doesn't make you look stupid? Right. Right. And I'm, I'm looking and on, on Yahoo right now and I see one one for one trade. And it was for Harper, which is okay. I mean, I see yeah. another one actually here. Pete Alonzo. Um, that that's an interesting one. That's very interesting. Very you know interesting. What? Could you even trade your Pete Alonzo for Soto at this point? But could you like, could you pull that trigger? Like, let's say your other uh, first baseman is Rowdy Telez. Let's say you kind of worked it out. Like, oh yeah, Rowdy struggled a little bit, came back. Yeah. Yeah. Rowdy Telez there as your corner infielder. That's a guy that would jump in as your first baseman. If you made this move, could you trade Alonzo for Soto at this point? I mean, it, it, that's the, that's the perfect type of question though, too, because a good trade makes both sides a little bit uncomfortable, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, it, exactly. it can't be a slam dunk because otherwise you're playing with a bunch of novices. So, you know, usually, it, I mean, every once in a while, a, a good trade comes along the way, but uh, like that where someone just offers you, okay, done. Uh, but rarely yeah. is it that way. It's usually, yeah, you should uh, feel uncomfortable yeah. with a trade. That's a hundred percent true. Yeah. Um, so that, that's a good one. I really like that. That that's artful. I, I I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I like when we can get artful with fantasy because it's so we're all nerds and we're yeah. all sitting here and we're just like trades and blah, blah blah and stats and we're looking at movement and shape. But like I like let's get like really like analytical. Let's just sit back and look at the stars and be like, what would it take to get a Juan Soto trade to go through? I would love to see the the art of making that happen. Yeah. I, I still think it's tough. It's really well. Tough. You know what? Just get in a league with uh, Fred Zinke or uh, Ian Khan, <laughs> and you'll be able to pull that off in the industry. I mean, that's the oh, way. absolutely, yeah. yeah. Ian, Ian will text you, and how can we make this trade work? And 100. Oh yeah, I've already made three trades with them this year in XFL. So uh, there you yeah, go. But he's rebuilding, me. and I'm going for it this year. So we're perfect match, right? And, oh gosh. Yeah. He's yeah. going to, he's going to pay up on those. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I played with Ian in, uh, when yeah, actually it was James's Roto the Rotowire dynasty invitational. It's defunct right. now, but, uh, which is a perfect whole other conversation about dynasties in general, right? You construct. Right. It's a, it's a perfect, uh, analogy for it, but yeah, I played with Ian and Ian, uh, you could also have a whole conversation and talk about the different ways people trade and approach trades from, you know, Ian likes to talk to you like on the phone and be very impersonal and get you there. Some people don't want to have conversations. You have to get the perfect trade right on the first time or trades are done. And it's, it, there's such an art to trading. Yep. yep. Vincent Van Welsh, JP. I like yeah, exactly. That. I like that. I like that. Good stuff there. So, Hey, 
You have a lot of, I mean, your fans that came over to the podcast, obviously, uh, and you do three podcasts. You do Fancy Pros, which you mentioned, which is what, yeah. five days a week now, right? Or about to be five days uh, I'm, a week? I, I think next month I will be on five days a week, and then I'll actually probably be taking it over uh for a bit just because joe uh joe pizapia who's the host of it will be kind of primarily transitioning to football but either way i'm on most of the time over on uh, leading off on fantasy pros which is just like a live they have a podcast form of it but it's like a live stream at noon eastern every single day that's yeah that's one of the many things that i do yeah i know you got your uh you you dip your toes in a lot of ponds but i mean you have in this league which you and bogman do and you have prospect one and I know now in this league is also dot com is something that's about to get blown up uh, that you're going to start doing a lot more, especially leading into football season. Right. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I tweet and you and, you know, you hit me up uh, very kind of you. I mean, we built a nice relationship uh, over mm-hmm. the last years and, you know, because I shared with everybody, I have some life altering, changey type of things that. You know, um, from the industry has been very good to me. Me and Bogman have been doing it for quite not. I mean, you know, you're an OG of this, but hmm. Bogman, I have been around like baseball, like 2012, 2014 is when we created in this league. And we've just worked really hard for years and years and years. And in this league.com is our Patreon. But, you know, I have some kind of like life altering things where it's like, oh, well, you know, this is an opportunity that I might, uh, there might be something else that calls, there might be, um, a place that calls me up, but in this league, we want to um, ramp it up, ramp it up because we've done a pretty good job about this being a huge part of our life, but it might be everything. So in this league.com is our Patreon. Uh, Bogman and I are working on something in the beginning of July that, um, you know, just might put us in a lot of people's faces even more. We've got so many uh, podcasts. I do always worry about oversaturation. I, too much of anything isn't great, but, um, we just do a lot of different content. Bogman, and I do it different. I think than a lot of the industry, it's very entertainment based. We get kind of wacky and, and, uh, off kilter. There's many, many podcasts, uh, and it's the right way to do it, by the way, keeping things under an hour in this league is not, you know, we do two hour episodes. We do bits. We have people that do voicemails that have parody songs with us. It's, it's just a whole different feel, but, uh, if people want to support the independent podcasting and check out all the future stuff, just in this league.com, I do ranks uh, every month. I've got my top 500 prospect ranks. I do dynasty ranks. I've got redraft ranks. All of those are available at the first of the month, updated every single month at inthisleague.com. And coming in July, one of the coolest things I do, and James takes part in it with me, is I've got a prospect ADP I've created. And I did this coming into this year to really help people understand maybe they're doing new dynasties or trade values. And I run multiple drafts with some listeners and with industry people and we draft a whole bunch of different drafts all prospects and then i turn it into an adp so people can understand the value systems and i've never done one in season but we're going to and what's cool about that is that could be used as kind of a prospect value chart in season so people could really understand where does my prospect lie in kind of the overarching eyes not just like what i think or what james thinks or prospects live or whatever it's everybody i get people from all around the industry so that's another thing i'm going to be doing right around mlb draft time so in this league.com if people want to check it out it's super helpful when we're getting into keeper leagues and dynasty leagues at the trade deadline where you exactly. know, those are trying to go for it who should i be targeting who are the guys that have rocketed up compared to like where the march rankings were i mean I, that's huge uh, yeah and the mlb draft coming up uh in a couple weeks as well that's another thing so my august ranks i'll have uh, all the draft guys 
mm-hmm. put onto my top 500. So you've got a whole bunch of those. And, you know, the, one of the biggest ones I could just throw out to people that play Dynasty, Jackson Churio uh, with the Brewers. There's no prospect hotter in baseball than Jackson Churio. He started in extended spring training out here over in uh, Maryville. He wasn't on a level. He was so good hitting 110, 112 mile per hour homers, uh, exit velocities that uh, they decided to not send him to complex, send him to a ball, youngest player in a ball. He's crushing. This is a guy that was not drafted inside the top 200 anywhere, not on our ADP, not by any single person. You're now looking at him as being a potential top 25 overall prospect. So do you want to see valuation changes? You could look at my ADP from the start of this year and then look at the new one, and you're going to not see a bigger change in Jackson Churio. So that's a guy that people need, you know, get your minds right with him if you haven't already. He is the guy to target in dynasty leagues, especially if you can get him at a cheap cost. I'm exercising all the restraint in the world to not pick him up in my NL only score sheet, first come, first serve league right now as we speak, but I'll wait till after the podcast because mm. otherwise it'd be rude. But yeah, well, it's probably already well, taken. It's a, I wouldn't I, hate, I, listen, I wouldn't be mad if you're like, hey, hold on a second, let me pick him up during the podcast. <laughs> I wouldn't blame, I wouldn't blame you. That's the type of guy that I would do that for uh, yeah. pending restrictions and stuff like that. Like I actually got offered him a trade in uh, a big dynasty league. I do, but he's already, he's already accumulated contract years. So it makes him a lot less valuable. You want those $0 years in some of those leagues, but again, Jackson Churio, that's one of those big, big names. And how do we spell uh, just, Churio by the way? C H O U R I O. All right. I see him. There. Oh, are you right. doing it? I love it that you're doing it right now. I think he's actually already <laughs> rostered. I think did someone get him? Well, I, I'll tell you what, this score sheet league is Nate Stevens is in. I don't know if you know Nate. Jeff Passon's in this league. Uh oh, you know, okay. Yeah, it, it's it it's a it's a pretty it's a really good intense league, but uh you know it, he might actually already be rostered, which would just break my heart. C H O U R I he's rostered. He is who got him? Rostered. Does Pat does Passon have him? Passon ha- has him. Yep. Does he really? Uh, yep. Oh, he I does. was joking. That Jeff Passon, he's on he, he's sharp. He is a sharp player. It's, it's it's and he's an active trader he's actually he, he's he joined this league back when he still wrote for the kansas city star so he's been in wow. it for a while there so uh wow good, it's cool. a good league it's a really good league um and I'm, cool. I'm really eternally bummed out that he already has and that i wasn't paying enough attention there so i'll have to act elsewhere now but well well you know hit me up i'll let you know but i I do want to thank you for uh you know having me on and talking about that stuff jeff you've always been so kind Um, of course you know people don't know like i love i actually love hearing those stories and stuff like that but jeff is just like such a great dude in the industry runs the poker leagues when we come out Mm. here the poker games out here in the afl couldn't be kinder uh you personally uh reached out to me and got me into tout a couple years ago uh even when conversations of tout would be in person you wanted to make sure could still do it you're just a great guy in the industry and having me on to talk and, you know, boost up uh, whatever I got going on is a very, very kind thing. So, no, no uh, problem. you know, not just one of the top guys at Roto-Wire, but just one of my favorite people in the industry. And oh, you're very that. kind. Very kind. Thank you for saying that. Uh, but hey, this this conversation just flew by. I mean, it's also utilitarian. I, it's an easy conversation to have you on, too, because uh, you're a I professional radio it. voice. You know your shit. Uh, no. You talk multiple sports. I mean, I love that about you, too. And you and Bogman both. Bogman's being into college. I know that. And you got- We cover a lot. I'm a chatty yeah. Kathy, though. So, like, anytime anybody tells me, like, hey, we're going to do this, and I'm like, mm, <laughs> I'm probably going to push us a little. I probably, I probably won't let us get to all the topics, and I'm going to talk a whole lot. But I like having good conversations. That's the other thing. I hope, you know, I'm um, – I've had radio background, big radio background, and 
you know, being around a lot of different talk radio and stuff like that, I just have like an idea of what I personally really like. And that's something sure. that I've always tried to do in everything that I put together is like, what do I like? And I think conversation sometimes is a really forgotten kind of art in all of this. It's very like, all right, let's do stats. But having really, really good back and forth conversation is what makes us stuff fly by and makes it really listenable, whether it's an hour, 45 minutes or two hours. And you're really good at doing that. So I completely agree. I, I have a great time chatting with you because it's a very easy conversation. Yeah, I had one with uh, Dr. Roto a few weeks ago that felt like that too. Just a flow. And I, didn't, I, I was getting to know him at the time too. We had so much more in common than I realized. Oh, uh, that's both, the best. Yeah, like we're both recovering attorneys uh, and you know <laughs> similar backgrounds. It's really cool. So uh, good stuff there. Hey, good luck on In This League. Uh, when everybody, you know, let me know when everything really pumps up on the Patreon side and we'll get that pumped out there. I but, appreciate uh, that. Thanks for coming on today. Really had a fun time. Thank you, my friend. You bet. It's Chris Welsh, everybody. Follow him at, on Twitter if you don't already, which the 12 of you that are listening at don't already, it's Is It The Welsh? <laughs> uh, and listen to all he and Bogman's work. It's a lot of great stuff. This is uh, wraps up today's podcast. Tomorrow we got two start starters with Clay and Todd. Please tune in for that. Cool. Thanks for listening. Take care. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.